0: This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Welcome, Elevate. Welcome to the best night of the week, the night week that we get to open God's Word together. It is a blessing to be here with you guys. But go ahead and turn your Bibles to Colossians. Here in chapter 3, Paul has been discussing what the life of a believer looks like. And it's totally transformed from who they used to be. They have spiritually died with Christ. They've been buried with Christ. And resurrected with Christ as a new creation, as different as a butterfly is from a caterpillar. People that used to walk in sin, grounded in their sin, now are no longer bound by that gravity anymore. God's people are now taking flight, looking entirely different, functioning different. Feeding on God's word instead of on their old hungers and desires. Things are different for a believer. But that difference isn't just something that goes on inside of the heart. It's something that affects every aspect of our lives. It affects marriages. It affects parenting. And it even affects the place that we work. And I love how Paul gets practical for us. We talked last week about a verse. It's chapter 3, verse 17, and it's a hinge verse. Everything before it stands on this verse and everything after it is under the heading of this verse. It's that whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so this applies to husbands, wives, children, parents, masters, And servants were doing everything to his glory. Believe it or not, those of you who know my personality would see this is definitely contrasting. I worked at Hollister. I worked at Hollister for a day. Actually, it was for four hours. So I had my first shift, and they called me in for my second shift, and I wasn't expecting my parents to drive in from out of town, and they were like, hey, we're here. So I went in for my second shift, I told my boss they were there, he said, no, you can't get off, and I left. And as I was leaving, he said, you don't have a job if you leave, and I don't work at Hollister, and never did again. And looking back now, as I was studying to get ready for tonight, I would have patted myself on the back to say, I'm a man who chooses family first, but as I was reading tonight, I was actually a little convicted about this story that I've always kind of crowned myself as the hero of. Because the reality of my little Hollister story is that it wasn't a matter of choosing family over work, I was actually choosing what I wanted over a commitment I had made. I had committed to be at this shift, and I walked out on my responsibility. It changes things whenever we look at Scripture to see who our ultimate authority is. We're going to start in verse 22. And the first thing Paul is trying to communicate to us is we obey the Lord through obeying our authorities. Verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So I want to go ahead and lay this right out there. Bondservants is a really nice way of saying slaves. This is the same word, dulos. slaves. Slavery was a societal norm in the Roman cities, and it took on both the form of a sinful human trafficking, enslaving of people and robbing their rights, and it also had the form of indentured servants where there was actually a commitment between the servant and the master that they would work for a certain amount of time to pay off a debt or to raise money. And at the end of that time, there was some sort of fulfillment of that contract. But both are absolutely common in Rome in this day. And now Paul, even though it's subtle, is actually very clear. He is pushing back against the Roman paradigm of slavery. In both cases, whatever the situations, slaves were seen as not just secondary but third citizens they were treated like animals. It was awful. Remember we talked last week that wives and children were treated as second class citizens and then this was another tier lower. But Paul, surprisingly, isn't calling for an uprising nor is he supporting what scripture recognizes as evil. The New Testament condemns slavery in at least two different places in 1 Timothy 1 and in Revelation chapter 18. But he's dealing with a bigger issue and it's an eternal issue. He's teaching how those who are in Christ, those who have been transformed by Christ in their lives, now relate to authority figures. And it's right here that it becomes applicable to us, because we all have authorities in our lives. Tonight, I want to lean more towards discussing what it would be like to have a boss, for those of you who work and will work. But it also applies to every authority that we have in our lives. Parents, teachers, coaches, pastors, those authorities that God has put into your lives. So how do believers magnify the Lord Jesus through being under authority? That's our question for the night. So bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Now, it's easy to miss. I told you that Paul is pushing back against the societal understanding of slavery. The first thing that he's doing is he is elevating the servants and masters in the house to being brothers and sisters in Christ. He is addressing the people that would never be addressed. He is writing to, he's saying, you guys, you guys in the corner, come up here. You guys that are at people's feet and washing feet, and you guys that are cleaning, you guys that are, this, that are under the thumb of society, step up, I'm addressing you as brothers and sisters in Christ. When you look back at verse, what is it, 11? Paul makes this clear that in Christ... There is not a Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. Paul is addressing the lowest of society and he is elevating them to say, in Jesus Christ, we're brothers and sisters. But you are still men and women under authority. In Christ's kingdom, there are no less thans. Everyone is on equal equal footing. But Paul doesn't give them room to be insubordinate, to revolt, to run away, but he commands them to emulate the Jesus that they serve. Go check it out, Philippians chapter 2. Jesus took on flesh, making himself into the form of a servant, even unto death. That Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And the word servant there in Philippians 2 is the word slave. He made himself. He goes from the throne of glory to make himself a human who would be tortured on our behalf. And so he's encouraging these people under authority. He's He's encouraging us who are also under authority figures to serve as Jesus served, as our primary example. This word obey here, when he says bond servants, obey, this is the Greek word of someone who hears a knock at the door and responds. They go to the door. So this isn't just listen like with your ears, like what my kids do, and I'm like, everyone come to the table, and nothing happens in the house. This is the word obey, meaning they are ready and waiting to respond. Just like if you hear a knock at the door, someone needs to respond. In everything. Obey in everything. This is a comprehensive word. The only boundaries of in everything are the scriptural boundaries of what's right and wrong. If an authority figure asks you to do what's wrong, you have a biblical foundation to say no, to push back. But until that line is crossed, we have a role of honoring and respecting the authority figures that God has in our lives. Verse 22. Let's keep going. Bondservants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, earthly authorities, not by way of eye service, not by always just looking good, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. This verse is going to cause a focus shift. Actually, it's a maturity test. You want to test your maturity as a Christian? Here's a way that you can test it. I remember working... At Academy, I worked in shoes in Academy. Do you guys like the shoe section? Don't worry, I wasn't there. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So that's not my fault. But I worked in shoes, and I remember that you would hear the manager's door open, and as they walked out, my, the other people that I worked with, the other employees, would disappear. They would like go and stand behind other shelves from wherever the manager was. If the manager was here, they'd go on this side of the shelf. And I'm like, you guys are fools. So I'd go right where the manager was, and I'm working right in front of them. When the manager came out, I was up front. It was like I was the only person working in the whole department. It was awesome. I just got promotion after promotion after promotion. Soon I was the highest paid person other than the manager. I was always going to task. But it was all about eye service. It was all about trying to please someone. But the maturity test here is not just coming up with a final product. Yeah, my managers liked me because I came up with a product. My managers liked me because I looked like I worked really hard. But the maturity here is that God, who is our ultimate authority, sees the final product and sees the work ethic, but he also sees past it right into our hearts. Our ultimate authority, our ultimate master, is looking right at our hearts. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, Sincerity means generosity, honesty, and single-mindedness. Those of you who have jobs, do you feel like you work with generosity, with honesty and single-mindedness? Are you working with a sincere heart? And even notice, Paul doesn't say, he could say, to do these things because you fear Christ Jesus. He could say, do it because you fear God, but he doesn't. He actually says the word Lord. Fearing the Lord. And he does this on purpose because Lord is the word kyrios, meaning master or possessor. That's what Lord means. Every time you read in Scripture the word Lord in the New Testament, it is possessor or master. So when we call Jesus Lord Jesus Christ, we are saying, we are, we are establishing a relationship that he is the master and we are the servant. We're the slave. We come before him and he has authority in our lives. And so Paul is intentionally saying that we are going to not work as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart we are fearing the master. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the master, not for men. The focus shift is that we look past our earthly authority to our ultimate authority and we honor and respect and obey the earthly authority because what's on the other side of that authority is Jesus. I want to talk about this idea of Lord for a minute because many people call themselves Christians, but they've never made Jesus their master. They'll wear the T-shirt. They'll show up at church. They'll look just right. They'll say all the right things, and yet their life is totally under their own command. The throne in their heart is the place that they sit, not Jesus. They want to be the masters of their destiny, the captains of their ship. But I want to jog back your memory to a story that Jesus is foretelling a future event when he will be sitting in judgment, and people will stand in front of them, and they will say, Lord, Lord, we did all these great things in your name. And he will respond to them, depart. I never knew you. Think about that story in what we just learned. They come to Jesus and they say, Master, Master, I did all these things for you. And Jesus' response is, I was never your master. You were your own master. It changes everything. Have you repented of your sin? Have you believed in the gospel? Have you made Jesus your master? I love what Pastor Matt Carn said a couple years ago. He said, if you're not fearing the Lord, then you are still in charge and you're not a slave of Christ. Work heartily. This word heartily means work with your soul, with your very life force. You're putting everything you've got into this. This speaks of the quality of work and it speaks of our motive behind it. We are working for a king with a higher standard, a standard that our heart is compared to instead of just the final product or what we look like when the manager walks through. We might be able to please the manager, but we have to ask ourselves, are we pleasing the Lord with how we work? And yes, the Lord is the authority on the other side. This is a hard verse to swallow, but it's there, and we have to confront it. Turn your Bibles to Romans. Keep your thumb in Colossians. We're going back. But turn your Bibles to Romans. Chapter 13, I want you to see this for yourself. I'm not making this up. This applies to our earthly governors, presidents, leaders. This applies to the local authorities. This applies to the authorities that God has established in your life, in your home, in your school, in your churches. Romans chapter 13, verse one. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Subject meaning submissive. For there is no authority except from, from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Wow. We're no longer ser- simply serving an earthly boss. We're now serving a king when we honor and obey an earthly boss. And at that point, it actually shifts. Because whenever you're serving your earthly authority out of a heart of love and obedience to your heavenly authority, then when you're obedient to the authority God established, it is no longer a job. It's now your worship. That's the maturity shift of a believer who is in Christ is now they go to work to worship. They don't just go to church to worship anymore. They go to school to worship. They go clean their room to worship. They wash the dishes to worship. They clean the ice cream machine to worship. This is the shift. This is where we're growing to as men and women of God who are in Christ, who have been made new, who are under authority and ultimately under God's authority. I want to call up Shane and Elijah. Shane, my main man, wearing red, he's going to represent Jesus. Elijah, my main man, wearing gray and burgundy. Let's just make Elijah my generic boss. All right, so, Shane is representing Jesus. Elijah, my generic boss. Now, Let's say my boss, my manager, the authority of my life gives me a task. You remember that uh, project I've got you working on? I need this done by Friday. Have you ever complained to God? You ever complained to God that you just don't know what he really wants for your life? Maybe maybe you'll say a prayer, something like this. You'll say, Jesus, what is it you want for my life? Dominic, I put your authority in your life. I need, I need this done, done by Friday. Friday. Does this visual make sense? The Lord appointed the authority put in my life. And so my honoring my authority has now become worship because I'm being obedient to the God who put him there. Is this a good visual? Does this make sense? The second thing Paul wants to communicate to us is that the Lord rewards And disciplines. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. So bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Again, we're not just submitting to an earthly authority, but pass them, through them, to Jesus. And because we're serving Jesus, our reward doesn't just come as a paycheck anymore. The reward isn't just maybe notoriety or respect from a boss or other employees. Now, because we're worshiping through our work and through our obedience, there is a reward from our heavenly authority, from our ultimate master, Jesus. And his rewards, listen, this is good stuff. His rewards are for his kids even when nobody else notices what you've done. When you work hard and no one sees it, your heavenly master does. His rewards are for whenever you have a lousy boss. When he appoints a boss in your life that is not good, he rewards. He rewards every attempt that you go above and beyond. He rewards every drop of sweat, every inconvenience, every compliance to authority, whether it's seen or not seen, every sacrifice, when it's done as worship, instead of simply self-advancement, you have a heavenly master who is taking care of you, who is watching the motives of your heart. And then, continuing on verse 25, is the other side. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. So there's blessings when we work with a sincere heart, but also there's justice whenever we slack off, whenever we hide behind the shelves to try to not be seen that we're not working, whenever we do a half-cocked job, whenever we steal, steal a time, whatever it is, the Lord brings justice. And don't forget, he knows the motives of your heart. Even if you are putting on the best show that everyone believes, he knows because he judges our hearts. And third, our authorities, those who are in Christ, are to operate in justice. Verse 1 of chapter 4 Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. I love how Paul handles this. Just like last week, we read that real flinchy part where Paul actually instructs wives to submit themselves to their husbands. But because of the context that Christ is building, this is the safest, most thriving possible environment for her to risk submitting in. And he does the same thing here. He elevates those who are at the bottom and says, I'm commanding you to be obedient and to submit, but... For those masters that are also in Christ, I'm creating the best possible environment for you to be obedient in. They're commanded to treat those under their authority with justice and give fair wages. And why should they be gracious? Why should they do this? Because they also have a master. Even those who think they're at the top of the pyramid, when they give their lives to Christ, they come to the realization they are also a slave to a heavenly master. They come to the Lord submitted and they will answer to Him. They're supposed to treat their employees, their servants, those under their authority, in the same way they want to be treated by their Heavenly Father, their Heavenly Lord. And in those instances where both employees and employers serve the Lord, Jesus first, then their relationship will, will be a testimony to the world around them. And fourth, the outcome of a believer being a thermostat when you're the only one is that God will get glory. Something happens when Christians are willing to be obedient to Scripture. Turn your Bibles to Titus. If you find 1 and 2 Timothy, just keep going a little. The book of Titus You might miss it. It's tiny. Titus chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 9. Again, it's talking to bond servants. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. Listen to this. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Sting anybody? Not argumentative. Not pilfering, which means Stealing but showing all good faith so that, why? Why are we doing all this? So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Adorn means to magnify, to beautify, to show it off. You're showing off your faith as being beautiful. Christians should be the hardest working, most trustworthy, most faithful, most honest most overachieving, most punctual people in the workplace. If someone said, hey, boss, I want you to divide up the people that you trust the most and the hardest workers from those that aren't, he should go like this. That one, that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one. Divide up, and then God looks down and goes, those are my kids. There should be such a clear line between those who are giving everything they have because they're not working as to a human boss anymore, but they're working as worship unto the Lord. And whenever that clarity is surfaced, that there's something different, it's then that the opportunity to say, I serve Jesus, magnifies and adorns our faith. Then, and I was really excited about this part. If you're thinking to yourself, well, Dom, yeah, that's, uh, that's good in theory. And I, I don't think they really understand kind of like what's going on in my work environment. And uh, it might be loosely applicable to other people, but, you know, we're just, we're just talking generalities here, right? I've got news for you. Paul didn't just write this stuff out of the top of his head. Right here in Colossians, he's going to give a real life example. Turn your Bibles, just one page over, Colossians chapter 4. Go back to Colossians, turn to Colossians chapter 4. I want you to check this out. This so fun. I have no idea how to pronounce this guy's name. I've heard it three different ways. I'm going with Tychicus, although I think it's Tuchicus, but Tuchicus is weird. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. Okay, so Paul is wrapping up his letter, and he's saying, I'm sending the letter in the hands of a messenger. His name is Tychicus, and he's going to tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. This is really important. Paul right now is in prison, in case you forgot. He is in a dirty, wet, nasty prison in Rome. He's like, thrown away, the key is gone, this is Paul. The only way he is surviving, like they didn't feed you in Roman prisons. You were fed by family members and people that cared about you, who brought you stuff to survive. And so Paul has people that are helping him out, keeping him alive. One of them is Tychicus, and this guy is delivering letters that he's writing to churches around the world and he is all the Tychicus is also going to communicate how Paul is doing to these churches now let's pick up in verse 9 and with him with Tychicus Onesimus Onesimus our faithful beloved brother who is one of you they will tell you everything that has taken place you're like I'm not seeing it well Tychicus had two letters to deliver Colossians was first century stapled to another letter in the Bible. Turn your Bibles to Philemon, which is another book that you will probably miss if you're not looking for it. Philemon. There's only one chapter. You can use the index at the front of your Bible if you have trouble finding it. Philemon. What a great book. Let me give you some backstory. Onesimus that we just read about, the guy going with Tychicus, Tychicus is delivering more than a letter. He's actually delivering a letter plus Onesimus. You see, Philemon was in charge of a church, a house church. It was his house. But Philemon owned slaves. One of them was Onesimus, who one day... Ran away. And he ran away, good old Onesimus, to Rome. Why? Because Rome was one of the most populated cities on the planet and he hoped to disappear. But somehow, in some way, Onesimus encountered Jesus, encountered Christianity, and found Paul in prison and became one of the men that was serving Paul, helping him keeping him alive, taking care of him. And Paul discipled Onesimus, and the two of them came to a conclusion, a painful conclusion. Onesimus needed to go home and submit himself to Philemon. But there's been a change. If you're in Philemon, let's read together. This is the letter Paul is writing specifically to Philemon about Onesimus. Coming with the book of Colossians to this little house church. You ready? Let's read this together. Philemon chapter one, because there's only one chapter, verse 10. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. Wow, Paul loves this guy, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you. What's he saying? Onesimus did a terrible job being a servant, he was useless. He drug his feet, he was lazy. The word useless here means unprofitable, detrimental, inefficient. He was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Onesimus has had a character change since he's encountered Christ. He is in Christ now, transformed. Verse 12, I'm sending him back to you. Sending my very heart I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Onesimus is returning to potential punishment as a runaway slave. And yet Paul and Onesimus together come to the conclusion that he needs to honor his earthly authority, and goes home, knees shaking, with Paul's letter in hand. And Paul makes two propositions. Set him free and send him to me, because he's helpful for me. Or, what does he say? He says, in verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant. As a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Look what Paul does. I'm elevating him. He's no longer a slave in Christ. But he is a man under authority. So there's two options here for you, Philemon. Set him free and send him back to me. Or two, honor him as a fellow brother And he will submit to you as his authority again, perhaps for forever. What's important is that Philemon recognizes that Onesimus, even if he continues as a slave, is now an equal, a loved brother in Christ. And Onesimus submitted to the authority of Philemon. Our verses tonight, Colossians chapter 3, would have been read aloud in the hearing of Onesimus and Philemon together. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ and masters. Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You know, the truth is that all of us are runaways. All of us rejected Jesus with our sin. All of us wanted to run our own lives. But Jesus Acts 17.30 says, commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And I'm telling you, Elevate, it is better to be a slave in the house of God than it is to be your own master, a slave to sin in the world. Because you know what God does? Galatians 4.7 says, you are no longer a slave, but now you're a son or a daughter. So we come to Christ just like the prodigal son saying, I would rather be a servant in your house. And then our father says, I will accept you submitted to me, but I'm going to take a ring of authority and put it on your finger. I'm going to take a robe of my family and wrap it around your shoulders. And you're now a son and daughter submitted to the father, but with an entirely different status. That's what God does for us. And when our relationship is right with our heavenly master, It demands that we have a correct relationship with the authorities that God has put into our lives. Recap. In every capacity of life, we are to work and speak in a way that glorifies the name of Jesus. Those who are under authority are to obey their authorities, not only in external action and attitude, but from a sincere heart. Christians obey their heavenly master by honoring their earthly authorities, and when they do, it becomes their worship. God who knows our hearts blesses those who are faithful and disciplines those who are disobedient, lazy, complacent, and have poor work ethic. Authorities, and someday you guys will be authorities. Many of you will become bosses. Many of you will become disciples. Authorities, recognize that those under you are equals in Christ and treat them with justice and fairness. We are commanded to work diligently and heartily and become thermostats in the workplace which gives glory to Jesus. So I got one challenge for you, and it's not an easy one. Who are the authorities that the Lord has placed in your life? Choose one way to serve them with a sincere heart as if you're serving Jesus instead of just them, and do it this week. A parent, a coach, a teacher, a boss. Pray about it, and you decide. Heavenly Father, I thank you I thank you, Lord, that you gave us the perfect example of a man under authority when Jesus said, I don't do anything except what my Father is doing. Thank you, Lord, that if you, the King of creation, were willing to submit yourself for our behalves, Lord, I pray that we would submit ourselves for you and to you through the authorities you place in our lives. Lord, bless the e-groups. Anoint them. Help them to dig into these questions and make this applicable. We love you, Father, and we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.